Welcome to the Folktale Project. This is Dan Schultz. Today we rejoin the White Cat and we'll see if the White Cat really has given the prince a tiny dog inside of an acorn and, if she has, what exactly the king will say about it. This is The White Cat, Part 4. After all, the prince was the first to arrive at the castle where he had agreed to meet his brothers, but they came soon after and stared in amazement when they saw the wooden horse in the courtyard jumping like a hunter. The prince met them joyfully, and they began to tell him all their adventures, but he managed to hide from them what he had been doing, and even led them to think that a turnspit dog which he had with him was the one he was bringing for the king. Fond as they all were of one another, the two eldest could not help being glad to think that their dog certainly had a better chance. The next morning they started in the same chariot. The elder brothers carried in baskets two such tiny, fragile dogs that they hardly dared to touch them. As for the turnspit, he ran after the chariot and got so covered with mud that one could hardly see what he was like at all. When they reached the palace, everyone crowded round to welcome them as they went into the king's great hall. And, when the two brothers presented their little dogs, nobody could decide which was the prettier. They were already arranging between themselves to share the kingdom equally, when the youngest stepped forward, drawing from his pocket the acorn the white cat had given him. He opened it quickly, and there upon a white cushion they saw a dog so small that it could easily have been put through a ring. The prince laid it upon the ground, and it got up at once and began to dance. The king did not know what to say, for it was impossible that anything could be prettier than this little creature. Nevertheless, he was in no hurry to part with his crown. He told his sons that as they had been so successful the first time, he would ask them to go once again and seek by land and sea for a piece of muslin so fine that it could be drawn through the eye of a needle. The brothers were not very willing to set out again, but the two eldest consented because it gave them another chance and they started as before. The youngest again mounted the wooden horse and rode back at full speed to his beloved white cat. Every door at the castle stood wide open, and every window and turret was illuminated, so it looked more wonderful than before. The hands hastened to meet him, and led the wooden horse off to the stable, while he hurried in to find the white cat. She was asleep in a little basket on a white satin cushion, but she very soon started up when she heard the prince and was overjoyed at seeing him once more. How could I hope that you would come back to me, king's son, she said. And then he stroked and petted her and told her of his successful journey and how he had come back to ask her help, as he believed that it was impossible to find what the king demanded. The white cat looked serious and said, she must think what was to be done, but that luckily there were some cats in the castle who could spin very well, and if anybody could manage it, they could, and she would set them the task herself. And then the hands appeared, carrying torches, and conducted the prince and the white cat to a long gallery which overlooked the river, from the windows of which they saw a magnificent display of fireworks of all sorts, after which they had supper, which the prince liked even better than the fireworks, for it was very late and he was hungry after his long ride. And so the days passed quickly as before. It was impossible to feel dull with the white cat, and she had quite a talent for inventing new amusements. Indeed, 
she was cleverer than a cat has any right to be. But when the prince asked her how it was that she was so wise, she only said, King's son, do not ask me. Guess what you please, but I may not tell you anything. The prince was so happy that he did not trouble himself at all about the time, but presently the white cat told him that the year was gone, and that he need not be anxious at all about the piece of muslin, as they had made it very well. This time, she added, I can give you a suitable escort. And on looking out into the courtyard, the prince saw a superb chariot of burnished gold enameled in flame color with a thousand different devices. It was drawn by twelve snow-white horses harnessed four abreast. Their trappings were of flame-colored velvet embroidered with diamonds. A hundred chariots followed, each drawn by eight horses and filled with officers in splendid uniforms, and a thousand guards surrounded the procession. Go, said the white cat, and when you appear before the king in such state, he surely will not refuse you the crown which you deserve. Take this walnut, but do not open it until you are before him. Then you will find in it the piece of stuff you asked me for. Lovely Blanchette, said the prince. How can I thank you properly for all your kindness to me? Only tell me that you wish it, and I will give up forever all thought of being king. I will stay here with you always. King's son, she replied. It shows the goodness of your heart that you should care so much for a little white cat, who is good for nothing but to catch mice. But you must not stay. And that is the end of part four of The White Cat. And when we return on Friday, we'll find out if the muslin is truly inside of the walnut, and how the king reacts to this large procession. This is Dan Scholes from The Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anywhere you like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Folktale Project. You can find us on Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you like to listen. And you can always head over to folktaleproject.com, where you can find a new story waiting for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. As always, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>